When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners' or renters' coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week... We have Rob White, who makes his season debut on the Fighting Cock podcast. We review Villa and we warm it up with Harry Kane. Mason muscles in and we ponder, is Levy all about the money, money, money? I can't believe we just did that. We also preview Astaras and Stoke at home and Windy talks youth. That's youth not just in the, in the halftime, but actually talks a little bit more about the youth. Enjoy the show. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. 
It's episode 14, season 4 of the Fighting Cock Podcast. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening. How's everyone doing? Better than we was the last week, I bet. Yep. Yeah, good. Rick, you haven't been here for a few weeks. No. Washing machine's still all right? Yeah, everything's good, mate. No worries about No, no, I fixed the shit out of everything. <laughs> You've had no actual home domestic, you know... Stuff no, no, appliances are going down now. I just lay on my sofa and chill now. <laughs> nothing, nothing to worry about. You've done your duties yeah, as a man exactly. pretty much for a year. You've got some tokens to, for, for your missus to, to pay in with, surely. Good yeah. shit to come. Yeah. Does she do that for you? Or? Nah. Nah. That <laughs> doesn't work on appliances. <laughs> what, what, what does it work on? Uh, washing up. Oh, right, and yeah. Stuff like that. Stuff yeah. that I won't do. She knows me too well. You don't wash up? No. What, I, I, like, what you I, think it's a, a woman's role? No, no. I, look, the, the, my principles are: I do the DIY shit. <laughs> I do stuff with my, my children, take them to the park, and all that lot. Yeah. I do dinners. You will not iron. But, but I don't wash up. That's my thing. I don't wash up, and you can't make me wash up. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Is that getting your hands wet? Is that a problem? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's not that. I just don't like doing it. It's shit. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm not going to do it. Make me do it. I just not do it, me. I'm just asking questions, (laughs) as is my role on this podcast. (laughs) Rob, how are you doing? I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah. Back for the first time this season? First time this season. And coincidentally, um, Brad Frieda was on Match match the Day 2 last night. And, uh, you know, I think there's a bit of a coincidence thing going on there, Flav. What's that? As I said to you before, you know, I feel like the Brad Frieda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) What is my role? (laughs) Tell me. To come in and and spit good knowledge. As as he did, he, he held his own. More, more than Eldie's own I thought he was really yeah. good what Friedel yeah I like the way he, yeah I thought he was great he was also he said we constantly he was like I, this is my and uh, he's played for a lot of clubs I think he's probably spent as much time with Spurs as any other so he was at Liverpool for a while and Villa for a long while Blackburn yeah. Blackburn but he's, he's kind of been at a few clubs he was one of them like a lot of goalkeepers people think these times done and like Jennings actually we thought his time was done yeah, yeah. and he was sold to Arsenal and uh Clearly wasn't done. He was great, <laughs> um, but he was fantastic. I love the way he talked to him the day about us. It made a lot of sense. Windy, you're back. I'm back. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. Yeah. Everything all right? Everything is good. Nothing to report. Uh, had a bit of a cold last week, but uh, I'm over it now. All right, nothing to report. <laughs> okay, so uh, we got block 35, partisan Belgrade. So again, I seem to start the fighting cop by apologising every week, but um, we did say that it wouldn't happen because we were under the assumption that partisan were going to take their entire allocation turned out last week that that wasn't the case club contacted us and thought why not um, it was the same deal with Tripolis and uh, and it was a fantastic 1882 experience so we're going to do it again this would be slightly different because you know how passionate their, their fans are bordering on psychotic so uh, we've got to compete with that but I'm really looking forward to it I mean I don't know they're, they're as intimidating a fan base as you can possibly have yeah you know, two isn't that intimidating, granted. I mean, but you know, we can hold our own and uh, give it a go and see if we can't make a bit of noise in response. It's better than just sitting there for 90 minutes and listening to them just shit all over it. It worked well with the Brighton game last week because their fans were quite vocal and it brought out the best in our fans. I thought, I thought, I mean, you've, your um, perspective is a bit skewed when you're sat in amongst it, but Block 34 was quite loud, I thought, and we did a good job of, of supporting the team even when they weren't playing. Well, in patches, I thought we did a good job. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't go to the game, and I was a bit concerned based on the fact that the block sold out very quickly, uh, and you knew that there would be. We talked about it previously, but there would be some 
well, many people in there that weren't aware of what 1882 is probably. But how, how did it go? No, I think there was, like you like you speculated, there was people that weren't aware of or didn't book thinking, oh, you know, I'm booking the 1882 block, but they joined in and... It felt like the whole block was singing. Oh, really? Uh, and the Spurs youth block were brilliant in, in good voice, as usual. Fantastic. Uh, loads of good songs, even through half-time. So, yeah, it was a good experience. All right, fantastic. Yeah, so, uh, Block 35, Partisan Belgrade. Uh, games on the 27th of November. Tickets are £25, as usual. There's also been another brilliant poster designed by Pixel Chap, who sorts out our posters for these so games. Good. So good. It's fantastic. We've got, we've got four in total. We've done one of them, the, the lesser the least good out of the four um, but yeah he's, have a look we're going to release another high res version for you to download and, and, and print if that's what you want to do a few people are asking about that so that'll go up on the website shortly um, yeah thanks a lot for that if you follow him at pixelchap p-i-x-e-l chap c-h-a-p um, and if you need some graphic design work done then why not employ him to do it be a good thing also we've had a good response to people sending in uh, photographs to use on the website uh, Khan Gun does. I, I think that's how you I met him. Khan is a lovely, lovely guy. He's a great photographer as well. And we've got some some of his photography from the Villa game. Um, a particularly good one of Kane's celebration with the rest of the team. And this is a great shot of because he's in, within the crowd and he's managed to get this shot. He must have got on his seat, but all the fists being pumped in focus and in the background out of focus are all the Spurs players celebrating. Great shot, really. I mean, it's better than any press shot that I've seen. So. Yeah, it is. It's a great shot. It's fantastic. Uh, so thanks for that. And anybody else who, who does take pictures, even with their iPhone, at, uh, at football, then just send them over. We'll credit you. There's a little way we credit on each picture being used. So, yeah, uh, send them in. Uh, or you can email them, editor at thefightingcop.co.uk or Twitter, love the shirt. All right. Uh, Andrew asked me to mention Thunderfall once again right the idea is that he's basically in a situation where he's um, he's got to find a way to finance the rest of his acting course and um, it, it will be explained when you see the video uh, as this podcast comes out it'll probably be up on the front of the fighting cock the fighting uh, and he's just you know he needs to find a way to fund his course and um, he's, 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 he's he's putting himself open to the idea that people can perhaps donate some money in order for him to carry on doing that. He needs to raise a lot of money, and he is brilliant at what he does. He's great at what he does on the fighting cock in terms of the uh, the, the music, the, the remixes you hear at the end of each podcast are all down to him. Uh, and in fact, any any of the, the kind of decent audio stuff, the, the music and jingles and stuff is all down to him. So if you can find it in your heart to support him, then please do. Um, and it's a little known fact, but he has Yids tattooed on the inside of his lip. So if that ain't worth a fiver, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I, there's only a, one other person I've seen with Yids tattooed on the, on the inside of the lip, and that's my other brother, Ryan. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you want to fund a Yid and help him through at drama school, then uh, check out the hashtag Fundafool. F U N D A F O O L. Also, quickly before we go on to the Villa game. Um, Al, who's been on the podcast, Alex, not Engineer Al, um, he, he got married yesterday. So, 50s round of applause. Yeah, he, uh, he got married and, and I want to say congratulations and hope he, uh, it goes better than the ways of most marriages. <laughs> and I love that he said <clears throat> during his groom speech, um, the winner went in yesterday, in yesterday's game. So, he 
he celebrated Harry Kane's goal mid-speech, which is something. How I did he know that? They all, they had uh, Sky Go on a mobile on the table, the top table, which is awesome. That's incredible that his missus allowed that because it's her big day, isn't it? Her dad's a Spurs fan as well. I oh, guess. Fantastic. There you go. That's why it all fits. Good stock. Sounds like a good marriage. It does. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk about Villa. Um, what do you guys think? Rick. Shit. Shut up, you mug. <laughs> shit? Yeah, we played shit <laughs> in large amounts of the game. And it, if it wasn't for the last 10 minutes to save us. Or to send them off beforehand, probably. Yeah, so. but. Um, I, think, I think we played. I think shit is really harsh. I don't think we played great. Um, and in, in times we defended poorly, but there were opportunities to win that game comfortably, I thought, with Ali Bayor. Going through quite dangerous on the break in the first half. Yeah, I think the biggest issue for me, uh, what was really shit, was uh, Poch's selection of uh, ensuring a kind of defensive unit down that left hand side in Ericsson and Rose. Ericsson is probably the least capable defensive midfielder we have. Uh, sorry, saying so, something. Uh, yeah, I mean, attacking minded, well, attacking minded midfielder who's asked to do defensive yeah, yeah. defensive duties. And Lamella are equally bad, actually. Um, he doesn't seem to Ericsson and I, I love him he, he hasn't had a great season he, I think he's struggling in this system but defensively yesterday he was he was terrible I thought I, I think the Danish manager was spot on about Ericsson I know it's going over old ground but yeah. I really do I think um, I, I think Pochettino has to come out and defend the guy but for me, he's, 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 he hasn't come on at all this season. What did the Danish manager say? The Danish manager basically said that, that he hasn't developed as a player. When he was at Ajax, he looked like he was going to kick on and do something. And for a player of his ability, I'm paraphrasing, I don't speak Danish, <laughs> but for a player of his ability, he felt that this season he's not, he's just, he looks a bit lazy. And I think he looks, I think he looks lazy, I think he looks slightly unfit, if I'm being harsh. I think he looks a little bit lost. In the middle of the pitch, I think he just doesn't know what he's supposed to be doing. Mm. Like I don't know whether kind of for me, where the, the position that he plays centrally, um, it's kind of like he's not like for like taking over the Modric role, but the ball should be going through him. He's like our most creative central player, and he should be the one dictating the tempo and putting the passes together. And but he can't from where he's being played. You can't you can't expect it. if Modric played in the centre of midfield. Yeah, but that's not what Ericsson's doing. He doesn't even play the centre of the the front three. You usually play them the left. I know he interchanges with yeah. Lamella and um, whoever's playing number ten. Actually, there doesn't seem to be a static position. Now players seem to be quite dynamic in the way they cross over. And Chadley sometimes is found on the left. And I like that if it works well. But if it doesn't work well, it it, it, it looks a little bit like we're all a bit at sea and, and we don't understand what Pochettino's been asking them to do. But just to quickly go back to, to, to Ericsson, there was times when um, when Rose, is, as, he's, as both fullbacks are being asked to do, is, is go forward and create the width. And Ericsson was just... I mean, you've got essentially Ericsson having to fill in for Rose if, if the overlapping takes place. And in that instance, it, there was times when he was just... He was taking up a defensive position for the sake of it, not with any real intention that he was going to win the ball, ball back. I don't know, I was frustrated. What do you think about that, Wendy? Well, I, I, well, I suppose Ericsson <clears throat> is probably getting a lot of criticism because he was taken off at half-time. And so, I kind of, in a way, he was the finger was pointed at him in, in terms of things falling down defensively. But I think 
Soldado and Chadley didn't help particularly either defensively. I don't. I mean, those three rotated pretty much throughout the game. They didn't have set positions as such. Soldado popped up on the right. Eriksen popped up on the right. Chadley would be on the left one minute, then behind the striker the next. So they all had that kind of freedom, and it was noticeable that Villa's fullbacks got lots of space. I mean, Lauten put in a really dangerous cross inside about five minutes. That was kind of the, the warning shot. And then Sissoko's ended up with something like three key passes, which is basically chance creation. Yeah. And Sissoko's a very, very poor fullback, and he's putting in crosses from the left, which are causing us untold problems because Norton's got no protection. Not that I think Norton had a particularly good game, so I didn't think he played well, but he had no protection once again. And I don't think uh, Capu's form is helping because ideally we'd have two deep line midfielders who are covering those fullback areas as well. And I think Mason, you can kind of forgive him in a way because he's inexperienced, he's not really a defensive-minded player. Capu's job is to basically sit in front of the back four and protect, and that means knowing where to be and when to be there. And I don't think he's... At the moment, I don't think he's performing well enough to do that. Do you think it's time for Stambouli to come in? Yeah, I do. I think Stambouli played really well against Brighton, and I think he's played well in a couple of other showings. He's sort of slowly getting up to up to speed with the, the pace of the uh, sort of English game, and I thought this was a good time to bring him in. The other selection change that I'd have made was um, Fazio for Kabul. I thought Kabul. I mean, his first 10 minutes was hopeless. And he yeah. said in commentary that Alan Smith was laying into him a bit as an ex-Goonie, you'd kind of expect that. But Kabul <coughs> was completely at sea. He, didn't, he sort of didn't know what to do to stop Benteke. And Benteke ended up winning something like 60, 60% of his duels with Kabul, which isn't really acceptable because it's, it should be easier for the defender to defend when he's facing the ball, whereas yeah. Benteke's got his back to it. I think Kabul's um, general play is, is, is OK. It's decent. It's just there's... There's key moments where he seems to lose his head, and he's positioning for that cross where uh, it was an amazing cross. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, and and to be fair to Kabul, he, this is the one where uh, Benteke did that diving header and it went wide. I think that was very yeah. early on. And Kabul was missed it by an inch, but it's those inches that cost you goals. That sounds like a horrible cliche, but it's true. <laughs> yeah. And and he has to get that position right. I mean, it's why he's paid the money he is. That's why he's considered a top defender or at least plays for a top team in England and you'd expect him to get most of those right and as you said he lost most of the jewels to to Benteke who even unfit and had no match practice looked so dangerous oh, I, yeah, I really love player. him I, I think he'd be so good at Spurs I mean that shot when <clears throat> again it was down to uh, Vertonghen didn't get much stick actually and that shot that he hit the post with Vertonghen was completely out of position he was so deep for that cross and for the goal he was backing off. He was unwilling to, to commit to the challenge. And granted, they might have got a penalty, but they scored a goal. Rose, who's thought what it was for the goal, because hit that challenge where he kind of pushed it into space <laughs> for for, uh, for is it Lowton. Lowton. Yeah. Oh, no, no, sorry, it was uh, it was uh, Zogbia. And then Wyman, uh, Wyman made the run, didn't he? He made the run behind, behind Kapu. Uh, yeah, uh, and Vertonghen uh, has to hold his hands up there. But I kind of don't want to spend the next ten minutes criticising and just. Yeah, well, I mean, there was so much glory in that game. What I was going to say was, uh, despite not playing that well, I think we it was a game of perspectives really because we could have been two or three nil up at half time. I mean that we had Soldado's header at the back post, which a player in. on form scores that yeah. goal. Kabul, all he had to do was kick the ball straight and hard, and he scores a goal. He's miskicked it right in front of goal. Yeah. Adebayor had a fantastic gilt-edge chance. Why has he gone across the keeper from there? Just bend it into the near post, and you've got got yourself a goal, which he really needs at the moment because he's so low on confidence and form. Mm. Um, but it was kind of, I don't know, it felt like everything was going wrong, and then Harry Kane came on. 
<laughs> Cheered everyone up. Before we go on to Kane, because we've got, I think we're going to end the segment on Kane, because I just... I, yeah, definitely. I, I, feel I, up. I love that little man so much. Um, <laughs> then, let's talk about the sending off, because it was a quite contentious one. I don't think he should have been sent off. I thought, I know by the letter of the law he should have been. No, that's wrong. No? There's no, there's, this is, this is something that's perpetuated by Jamie Redknapp. There's no um, rules <laughs> about shit. raising your hands. Um, it's all down to referee's interpretation, basically. There's, there's violent conduct, which is essentially, I've, I wrote down the definition somewhere, bear with me a second. Um, so it's using excessive force or brutality against the opponent when not challenging for the ball. Now, if that is excessive force or brutality, then, you know, it's ridiculous. I don't know. It's silly. I'm I mean, he was pushing... Mason was a bit naughty. Mason was winding him up, put his head into Benteke's. Benteke's pushed his head away. Well, he shoulder should have been on top of this. Behind. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So but, that was the main reason I think they were calling. I don't think it was a headbutt there, but... Go but, but, but since the start of the season, since, since the start of time, actually, uh, that's what we've been crying out for. Somebody somebody just to hit yeah. somebody. I mean, uh, again... Needle. Going needle, into, yeah. into cliche land, but it is. You know, you saw the Newcastle game last week. There was nothing, there was no passion, there was no commitment. And at least it was nice to see that, you know, that somebody, either they cared enough to push somebody in the back or that they were wound up about it. Well, Mason as well, for the, not for the first time this season, has, has been getting in people's faces, has been, been ferocious in the tackle sometimes. And it does feel like, and it's bizarre that a 23-year-old, almost unknown other than to people like you, Wendy, you know, to come in and, and to have that, uh, give that steal that we've been crying out for. And and I know, like I don't, you know, you just said we have no passion, no desire. I, I kind of that, that sort of stuff rankles a little bit with me because I think that it's it's kind of an easy thing to throw at, at the players. But then you look at Mason, you think that that's exactly what you want, and it is passion you look and at desire. Kane, and, uh, they highlighted it on match of the day too last night. He, he was on the field for five minutes. His first three touches resulted in the opposition having to do something, yeah. something positive. Yeah. yeah. Whereas Adi Bayer and Soldado, much as I support the guys. Yeah, there's whole matches go by where their keeper. Oh, that White Hart Lane. You know, there's been game after game where we haven't created a proper chance. So you know, it's just players that grab the game by the by the scruff yeah, of the neck, and even if something. they fail, it doesn't matter too much. I think that's why a lot of support for Kane has come about because he he's willing to try. He's willing to make mistakes. He's willing to get the goalkeeper's jersey. He's willing to grab the ball off of Lamella. Mason's got what? some bollocks going up to Benteke and giving him a little <laughs> nudge as well. Just before we move, move on from that, right? I, I, I put a tweet out saying how much of a uh, cunt I thought Lamella was for waving up, the card, waving yeah, the red card. Like I hate that. I hate it. I especially hate it when you see it at other clubs because it's not your own players. But when you see one of your own players, you think that's not the way Spurs should be behaving. And I think Harry Kane actually went up to him and stopped yeah, yeah, him. He did. Stopped him. Oh, really? from, yeah. So you know you don't understand. You don't. So you're in Italy. It's normal in Italy. Probably normal in Argentina, not here, not at Spurs. Um, uh, but that someone came back to me and was, was arguing that actually Mason was as much of a as much uh, showed as much unsporting behaviour as Lamella did. But in my opinion, you've got one person acting like a I'm trying to think of something that I can use that isn't going to offend loads of people. Just a pussy hole, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and um, and Mason, it was more. Shit, I'm going to think Mason, It felt like Mason was standing up for Lamella because Benteke had a swipe at him, hadn't he? And then Mason sort of ch- charged in and um, sort of was pushing at Benteke and trying to wind him up. He's like, well, if you're going to have a go at my mate, then you can take me on as well. Yeah. And I, and I thought, I know, it do, he doesn't come away from that smelling of roses, but 
like Rob said, it's it's kind of what we've needed a bit in recent yeah, weeks. And we, it does for me. It reeks of roses. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't bother me. If you're having a player going in and winding them up and, and, and giving you an, uh, an advantage... Then there's no, and, and it's, this is the way football's been played for years, and it's worse. It's, you don't, you see much less of it now in your dad's day. Yeah, yeah. Barging goalkeepers into nets, I mean, uh, you know, and hacking, and, and you saw that the final between Chelsea and Leeds. I don't know if you've ever seen the footage of that, I think it's 70, so it was one Bremner and Chopper Harris, and that is, it was, it was like, it was disgusting. <laughs> the, the tackles that were going in, there was no, I don't think there was a yellow card. It was ridiculous. <laughs> And that was the way the game was. I'm not saying we should go back to that, but there's nothing wrong with a little bit of that in the game. And you, you know, you see you, people complain about players diving over in the box and going down at the touch. Yeah. Well, the antithesis of that is what Mason did. So there's a middle ground somewhere, and until people stop going down like pansies, a little bit of Mason nudging Benteke in the back. It's not like a big bloke, he can handle it. Do you know what I mean? He dealt with it in his own way, and probably Mason deserved a push in the face. Benteke didn't deserve to get sent off. He was sent off, and then you saw what happened. You got fucked up! <laughs> People, the biggest expression that I've heard on Twitter is papering over cracks. Yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. about a million people <laughs> say it. Uh, uh, on Twitter yesterday, like, we just scored like a last-minute winner, and I was, you know, euphoric. I was fucking going mental. I mean, I was, like, checking Twitter to see the comments to put a smile on my face, and it's like, the first couple, it's just like, oh, yeah, papering over the cracks, papering over the cracks. It's like, like, we've just scored in the last minute, man. We didn't deserve it. It's funny. This is brilliant. Like, just fucking enjoy, enjoy it. it for you, a second. You support a team and you pay fucking ridiculous money. You get your pants pulled down left, right and centre. These are the moments that you should just love and cherish and, and just go with it, man. Just just let yourself go. Don't worry about it. We can talk about papering over the cracks and shit like that tomorrow, the next yeah. day, whenever. Just fucking enjoy it, That moment, because that's oh, rare. Oh, man. I was listening to the... I always listen to the last podcast as I'm walking down to record this one, right? They get me in the mood. <laughs> and uh, I was talking about moments of glory, and I said the exact same thing about Newcastle, how good it must have been for Newcastle fans, but they didn't score in the last minute. So how good it was for me just watching it at home, but the fans that were there who went absolutely ballistic... It's fantastic, and, and it's those moments. That's what football's about. That's what keeps you going in the hope that you're there to experience that. And just the f- your first reaction to Harry Kane, local boy done good, scoring in the last minute in a time when we <laughs> desperately need a win, to just go on Twitter yeah. and say, "Papered over the cracks, that did." <laughs> what are you? So why are you following? But what do you get from football if you can't find glory in that? Yeah, that's nah. If you can't find glory in that, then fuck me. Go home. Seriously. Just give up. You're not going to enjoy it. I don't know what you're going to enjoy if that ain't it. To bring it down to a kind of realistic level as well, like, what if you're finger-pointing at cracks at this point, you're not giving the manager a chance. <laughs> Seriously, he's had a few He's had a few weeks. When, when, when is there going to be at any other time where there's going to be cracks to be papered over in the first three months exactly. of a manager's reign? Exactly. I mean, if there were no cracks, chance. it would be insane. Give the man a chance. It's ridiculous. Uh, I feel so sorry for Pochettino. The amount of crap he's had to put up with in the press in the last week or two, and and from our own fans as well, and the, and the boos last week against Newcastle. You know, it's not nice losing at home, and I understand people's frustration, but I don't think booing the manager at this point or, or booing players as well, which has happened, I don't think it's appropriate. It's not going to help the situation. The, th- the thing is, well, uh, you know, apart from obviously the last minute winner, it's just. 
the thing that plays over in my head because I, you know, I love Tottenham and I've got other mates that support other teams and the media and stuff. You, you know, people's fingers are hovering over the send or the enter. <laughs> Spurs slump to another or gutted like yeah. where's your Tottenham now and all that lot. And then that fucking moment is just like up all of you, yeah. all of you, <laughs> fuck off. And like I just, oh man. I live for those moments. See, I decided to sacrifice myself yesterday. I didn't watch the game because I was still getting over Newcastle. I went to the Brighton game, actually, which I enjoyed, funny enough. And uh, so I, I sort of watched it on Twitter and various other things. Just It was a bit of penance, basically. It was the only way that I thought I'd get through it. So I had that going. Now, I think there should be something on Twitter where should be limited the number of tweets you've got or something or if during you, a game it's, it's <laughs> that's like, a great um, idea when I was a kid there was a there was a uh, a kid's story chicken licking you know chicken licking where the, the guy th- the, the chicken thinks the fucking sky's falling and an acorn falls on his head ah. and he goes around and he gets all these people and by the end of it they think it's the end of the world Twitter was like that up until about 89 minutes and, and I can't understand how people can post that shit just think before you post yeah because it's going to come back and bite you in the arse because football does that and, and, and at the end, people... It must be the same people that are, you know, tweeting about papering over the fucking cracks. It just does my head in. So I'm not going to do that again. Let's talk... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Harry Kane, then. Because, um, I, I mean, it, it's apt, actually, that you're here, Wendy, and, and I'm here as well, because I was, <clears> as <throat> we said before, a, a massive critic. I just didn't think he was... I wasn't critical so much as I just didn't think he was good enough. And I was, uh, he is clearly good enough. And you also said that on the very first episode of this season that Harry Kane would finish the, the season as Tottenham's first striker. And that hasn't happened yet, but... No, no, no. he said, Wendy said he wouldn't be surprised yeah. if he finished. And what did we do? We laughed. <laughs> laughed in his face. Yeah, we did. We, was, we laughed with such... What's the incredulity? Yeah. Incredu- what's the word? I felt this big. Credu- credulity. Incredulity. Incredulity. I was so incredulous. Basically, I was laughing right at you, Wendy, because I thought you was being ridiculous, silly, actually. I just think you've been silly. But you're you're right. I mean, it's it could easily happen. And it's in part down to the poor form of our other strikers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, more than that, it's his, his, his willingness to just get on the pitch and do something good. I think uh, I yeah. think he's paid you a compliment and then taken it straight back. Incredulity. <laughs> he's saying this, this guy is going to be all right because the other two are so shit, basically. Mm. I mean, the, the thing that strikes me with Kane is the things that Friedel was saying about him last night at Match of the Day, that every day after trading, every single training session, he's saying, Brad, can I take some shots at you? Can I take some free yeah, kicks at you? that was fascinating. This guy is a dedicated professional. He lives and breathes football. He loves. He's so enthusiastic, <laughs> as we saw. He's just like... He's a kid at Christmas who's he's getting to play football for his favourite team. It's incredible. I didn't it? know he was a Spurs fan. Was it? Was it? Um, oh, it's, it's, I don't think he. I don't think he. Was it Tim Grigg who said that his brother taught Harry Kane at school and he had like a Spurs bag and Spurs pencil case? I think it was Tim. Really? Because I've heard other things. I don't want to repeat. I've heard other things is. as well, but I'm um, I'm told that Harry comes from a Spurs point family. Do you know what? Yeah, he was Spurs. Yeah, his, his mum and dad Spurs, Spurs, brother Spurs, granddad was Spurs. I think his great granddad. That's always to do with Bill Nicholson. <laughs> I don't know if that's a true rumour, similar to the rumours about Sterling. Named and after Harry Hotspur. S- Harry Hotspur, there you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Whatever, it doesn't matter, he's one of our own now. 
even if he wasn't grew up a Spurs fan, he, he's just he, just seeing him play. And I, what, is it about his uh, the fact that his willingness to um, you know like take take this free kick on? It's the confidence of youth and, and going goal when Loris. You know, he was, he was the first over to grab that jersey. <laughs> and was he doing it for a laugh or was he doing it because he actually thought he could contribute to, yeah. to something in goal? You want someone who is confident enough to go in there, not someone passing the shirt around going, oh, I don't want to do it, you do it. And <laughs> the way he let the goal in kind of... And the reaction from the Spurs fans summed up that relationship. And, you know, the fact that he let that free kick in against uh, Asteras... Terribly, terribly. And he, he was really annoyed with himself for letting it in. It didn't matter, but he was really annoyed with himself for letting it in as well. He yeah. actually cared. Yeah. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of... Uh, we've got a lot of players at the moment who seem like they're going through the motions, like they're happy to turn up, pick up their paycheck, and what happens, happens. We've also got the likes of Ryan Mason and Harry Kane who are really kind of enjoying their football, they're fighting for the shirt, they're doing everything they can. And whether it's because they're not established and they want to be established and want to be Premier League footballers, or whether they love Spurs and and, and, and want to win a trophy of Spurs, it's kind of irrelevant. It's going to end up... It means to an end either way. And both of them have been absolutely superb whenever they pulled the shirt on in the last few weeks. And I think Mason is probably, arguably, first-choice central midfielder now. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, Mason, he's... Statistics were ridiculous. He came out with 87 point, 87% pass completion, 23 out, um, passes completed in the final third, which is more than any other player on the pitch. He made more passes than anyone else. His defensive contribution was brilliant. Three interceptions, five tackles, five, three clearances. He was everywhere. He was all over the place. Kane has scored nine goals this season. I mean, that's a ridiculous contribution for a player who's not even had that much playing time. And I think the, the calls for Kane to start every game are, are fair. You know, he's he's... He might not be a number nine. How in many style. games have we played in total this year? Was it fourteen league, isn't it? Yeah, must be. Uh, must be near twenty. So, say just yeah, at, yeah. at this rate, Kane's easily going to get to double figures. Yeah, and you'd be surprised if he doesn't, given the start he's had. He's got nine. He's got nine. So one more. Double figures. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know what? You know, uh, the fabled twenty goal a season is what was in my head. Oh, sorry, sorry, of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm such an idiot. Um, yeah, no, he, he, he was fantastic, and, and um, Mason was was especially good. But uh, I think, given it, players like him in his position don't generally get the plaudits. We see it as Spurs fans, but it's not something that's generally picked up by other. And when you talk yeah. about how good Mason is to fans of other other teams, they don't. They're like, oh, well, I don't yeah. Um, but he, he's crucial, and like you said, I think he probably is uh, the first name on his team sheet. And to be fair, Pochettino's plucked him out of nowhere. Really, I know, I know. Um, Redknapp gave him a shot, um, but that was more of a forward. I mean, that's what he did in his youth youth, youth career, didn't he? He, he was, was a strike, like a... striker slash number ten, and he slowly moved backwards, which is the same with Modric. Modric started off as an attacking midfielder and moved backwards as well. And there, there's definite similarities between yeah. the two players and the way they want to play football. Is um is Harry Kane a number ten or a striker? He's, a, he's he's ideally a number ten, but I've. He's been interviewed and said in interviews that he's happy to play wherever. And I think an on-form Harry Kane is a better number nine than an off-form Soldado or Adebayor. And both of those two are really struggling at the moment. Oh, you say that they, he was amazing. Soldado was almost pitch perfect for his uh, for against um, Brighton. Brighton and a lesser opposition, but I, I just thought he was fantastic. He played well against Brighton. Yeah. I thought he was brilliant. He wasn't so good yesterday. He no, didn't, he was, he was he didn't play a single pass inside the penalty box yesterday, um, which I found a bit worrying because he had a lot of freedom. 
um, and Villa aren't exactly a, a form side. It, it just felt like Soldado just needs a couple of goals. He really does need a couple of goals, and it, it, the longer it goes on, it feels like he's not going to get them, and it's never going to come right for him. But I think for the time being, if if, if um, Ericsson and Lamella aren't going to be trusted, then I'm happy to see Soldado start up front with Kane in behind him. Mm. What do you do with players like Adibayor and Soldado that have got this experience, uh, and then before then they've, they've had you know got good scoring record they can they can both do well, Bayor, an you, amount of things you take him out that's then, what you do with Adibayo you take him out Soldado on play Soldado oh fucking hell why didn't anyone think of that <laughs> but we, 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 Soldado's a tricky one because he has come back into the team and he still like isn't firing but with Adibayo he, he, and I said that he should start every game at the beginning of the season because he started quite well himself but he's got he's got to be dropped now well, I think like with Poch, he's he's obviously he knows they are they both of them haven't got any confidence, and he started them both for either one of them to fucking get yeah. a goal or to do something to have a really good game and try and boost their confidence. And you know, yesterday neither of them covered themselves in glory. But um, how long do you persist for? I mean, like, like, what happens now? Like, is Harry Ga- is Harry Kane going to? Start. And he is, he, is he going to be like that? I'd be amazed if he doesn't start. Our main focal point is a striker. I think what we'll see is against um, Asteras next week. We'll have. Is it next week? This week. This week. Thursday. 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 Yeah, Thursday six. Um, will will start. That's that's the way to get him back into form. Yeah. Play him against weaker opposition. Try and get him to get his mojo back. Score a couple of goals. And also, I think, importantly, play him in games where the support is going to be there for him. So the 1882 crowd will get behind him. Mm. It, it's felt like the, our fans have turned on Adebayor um, mm. again. And it doesn't take much to turn on Adebayor because of his history. Um, but he's a player... I think I, I think Adebayor is quite a fragile character, despite what people will tell you about him. And he, he needs uh, an arm around the shoulder in, in, in Sherwood slash Harry Redknapp style. Um, which isn't a great thing when you're playing someone big bucks. You don't need a, a fragile character leading the line. But having said that, Pochettino obviously sees something in his character because otherwise he wouldn't have made him vice captain and, and repeatedly picked him despite him playing really poorly. It's actually destroyed two players by giving them captaincy duties, haven't mm, you? Like yeah. Kabul, the pressure's got to them. The fact that the Kabul has, he's not going to drop his club captain. Or can you? Can you do that? I mean, he, he needs to drop him now. Of course, he needs to drop well, both. Both of them, yeah. <laughs> Difficult, isn't who'd be a manager? I mean, uh, oh no, it's a nightmare, absolute nightmare. Well, actually, I'll probably would. For, yeah, exactly, <laughs> I probably would actually I'll give it a go. Um, I ran, I literally last about six weeks. Anyway, um, uh, there was a bit of a, a kind of surgence of the levy out stuff in the in the in the in the, in the crowd against Aston Villa. Um, I think when we went one 0 down, there was reports of people chanting it. Many people chanting it. And it seemed like a substantial, or at least a meaningful, collection of people. And that's where you kind of re- it really becomes tangible is when you start hearing it in in the crowds, rather than on Twitter and stuff like that. So, what? Just just quickly, what's your kind of opinion of that? <laughs> do you not want to say? Oh, it's, it's difficult. What isn't do you it? think, I, Rob? I I, I think uh, well, I've been I've gone on record quite o- o- often as saying that I think if you've only got to look at the structure of the club and and. You know, it's all—it's run by money people. That's what it's run by. And actually, for the club to invest enough money to get to the next level, it doesn't make any sense for them financially because then you have to invest serious money. You have to be a 
a, a Russian gangster or a, you know somebody like that, or a, you, you have to have oil revenue behind you. And actually, I don't think Levy's going to do that with his money or Joe Lewis, Joe Louis, yeah. whichever one, yeah. their money. It just makes no sense for them to make that next jump. It's a bit like Ashley at Newcastle. You can sit there, you can draw one, two million quid from the club, you can make a very nice living. But actually, to do the next bit, which is, you know, when you start looking at the stadium, you've actually got to seriously, seriously invest for the long term. And I don't think, personally, this is my personal view, I don't think Levy is, is a football man enough to invest enough in that long term. Do you think that... Because the, the, the attendances are dropping at Tottenham, even uh, if it doesn't... All, all over. Yeah, all, all over. Yeah. But, but at Tottenham, you can see it. Newcastle with massive pockets. Uh, and I think that's the first time that I can remember for a long, long time that we haven't sold out, or at least it's visibly not... You know, there was pockets... Like I said, pockets of people not that hadn't turned up for whatever reason. And um, I think that the... And you saw at so the, the Realistically, I was there... And there was maybe 19,000, maybe 20,000 at top. And you think, is there a kind of disillusion? Is it, are we becoming disillusioned as, as a fan base? And the reasons why that might be are down to Levy, you know, and, and the money he's, or Enoch, and the money they're charging us to get in there. And it does have to, you, you kind of look at Levy and you think, well, is he going to, he knows that we won't sell out that stadium. Is he going to spend 400 million buying, you know, getting it made? Knowing full well that we won't sell the stadium out, and if we, if we can't sell that stadium out, if the prices aren't reduced, and you'd have to reduce the prices to, to make that happen, then why why build it? Why not just allow create that foundation, make the club realistically maybe a fifty hundred million pound more valuable because that option is there. Sell it, make the money, and go. And that if you from his perspective, you think oh, I couldn't blame him. For that, but the, the, the kind of message but from the club was always we're going to build it and we're going to push on. The other, the last thing, which is which you sometimes have to bring back into the factor is that he has, although he's a financial person, he does have emotional attachments to the club. Other members of his family are emotionally attached, attached to the club, and there are people that are employed very close to him within the club. So you, you can't just say, fuck it, I'm going to take my money, I'm going to fuck off somewhere else. Yeah, I think there, so I think he's almost caught between two stools. Yeah. And that's one of the problems with the way the club is run at the moment. And ultimately, it's Lewis. It's his decision. He's he's the he he holds all the power, yeah. doesn't he? It's not Enoch. I mean, it's not, it's Le- not Levy's an employee. Levy manages Enoch, which is the investment company, doesn't he? So I think Levy reports to Lewis, but I presume he has overall decision-making responsibility when it comes to. The investment in Spurs, I presume that Levy's the, the, I presume that Levy's the one that comes. No, of course, decisions. in terms of that, but in terms of selling the stake yeah, in the yeah, club, yeah. that's got to be down to Lewis. I think yeah, the, the, the main puppeteer is Lewis, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know, Levy's just Pinocchio, basically, or um, anyone else you want to talk about from Team America. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that always comes back to, to to me is is be careful what you wish for, because whilst Levy has held us back in numerous ways he's also driven us forward as a club in in various ways as well and I like Flav says I mean the the state of the stadium at the moment it's it's not exactly half full but the attendances are down it's obvious they're down and I think that's not helped by the fact that we've raised prices in the in the cup games to from 20 pounds to 25 pounds which seems to me utterly pointless that seemed like a really 20 pounds seems like a fair price for a cup game it seemed like a good gesture on their part compared to a lot of clubs um why raise that um and he's got to be very careful because if attendances keep going down there's going to be no point in him building these i genuinely think that he's missed the boat 
I think the time to build the stadium was two years ago. If he was able, I'm sure he would have done. And that time has passed. We've kind of gone over the hill in terms of popularity and watching live football. And he's he's missed the boat. We're we're already on a downward trajectory. And unless there's a massive upturn in performances on the pitch, which you can't really see unless someone like Gareth Bale or Modric comes out of the current crop of players that we currently have... And that's very unlikely. And what essentially you've got is a, a, a bit of a, a situation where you you can't build the stadium. We're not selling out our current stadium. They're not going to put £400 million in, and, and that's that. You've missed the boat. It's done. In my, in my opinion, that's it. And, and I, this is the kind of thing I've been waiting for, to be honest. I, I, I don't think building a new stadium was the answer to... Our, mm. It's the answer to potentially competing with Arsenal and Chelsea, maybe... But ultimately, in order for fans to get the respect that they deserve and to be pay, pay ticket prices that are reasonable so that, p- that some fans are not being forced out of the club, then we need something like a reduction in the amount of people that are going to games in order to force chairmen to, 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 to recognise that. Last season, when we were paying £20 a, season, uh, a game for the Europa League, as you said, the stadiums were full. Mm. The Nipro was full. The only one, the only Europa League game I don't think was completely full was the the first one we played, which was twenty five pound when we qualified, and then the trust moved to the club and said, "What are you doing? Why are you overcharging?" Then they reduced it to fifty, uh, back to twenty. I just think most people are getting fed up in football, not just at Tottenham, everywhere. Fed up with the amount of money you have to pay. They are, but you know, obviously Levy and fans want us to get to, back to. The promised land of Champions League football and have that, you know, year in, year out. And once you do kind of get onto that ladder and you sustain it, then a stadium of 58,000, you will sell that out. When are we ever going to get in the top four again? Well, that, that's the thing. When you get to, when, when we got to that stage um, and so many people, you know, the, the season ticket list must have gone up, membership, everything. And you could tell what would happen if we were to make that jump. And the thing is, we, they thought that by getting AVB or whoever in that and spending that money, that's what was going to get us back to that next level and mm. we were going to be consistently getting top four and we haven't done that and that's when the stadium plans have Then the real world club. happened. It does. But then, again, you've got to think that in, in, in the back of their mind that they will employ the right manager and, and we will kick on and, you know, Potts is here and he's going to get the best out of our players and... At the moment, it's you've got Chelsea, City, and Arsenal, and Liverpool, United, Spurs, Everton could all take that top four at the moment. And then as soon as you get that, and you get the attraction of players again, and then you st- you start building it up again. But you can't you can't just say, "Oh right, we'll just stay in this stadium," or and think you know we're not selling our stadium out. So what's the point of? Having a fifty-eight thousand seat stadium, or whatever, because you have to plan for the future. And if you honestly believe that future is going to grow, and you have ambition, then you have to make that stadium big enough. That's true. That's true, and that's the optimistic way of looking at it. I'm looking at it from a more realistic option. And you can't sell Newcastle at home in the Premier League. You know, that no, I yeah, not, I know. It's it's, it's not, not shit that, at the moment. Not that Levy's made mistakes. That football's made a mistake. They've taken advantage of football fans for too long. Uh, they've just kept putting prices up. Tony, yeah, it doesn't matter. They'll keep coming. They'll keep coming. They'll keep paying in. And now it's not happening. Look at Villa. It's our fault. 
Yeah, it's happening throughout. It's yeah. the, the the gravy train is over. <laughs> We're coming back to real football, hopefully. And if people aren't turning up, then the chairman only. I mean, the other thing is actually maybe football fans inside football, uh, in, inside live games are becoming less ish, less important. Yeah, yeah. They can get their revenue from yeah. America, Asia. If you look at the Italian game, uh, the Italian game on BT Sport, which I watch quite often. Yeah. Quite often, you know. Last night there was about it's about five thousand people at the San Siro watching Milan get beat. Well, I presume they got beaten by Palermo. They were two 0 down when I left it. Mm. And you think, well, do these people need? Do they need the revenue of bums on seats? No, Probably not. Probably not. Because um, actually, when you do the maths, we don't contribute that much to the salaries. Compared, or, or compared to the, you know, yeah, compared to revenues, TV revenues. Yes, yeah, syndication of of TV football, you know. All right. Anyway, look, we've talked on and on this half. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have Wendy now to give us some youth update and make us feel a bit better. Yeah, Wendy, back to drop the fucking knowledge, blood. I see you. I got your back. Hi, Wendy here, back with the weekly youth update. Looking at our young players and players out on loan. Starting off with the lone players, Lewis Holtby was withdrawn in the last minute as Hamburg beat Leverkusen 1-0. Tom Carroll was a 76-minute sub for Swansea, coming on after John Joe Shelby sending off to help close out a 0-0 draw against Everton. Ryan Fredericks and Milos Velkovic were both unused subs for Middlesbrough. Grant Hall was an unused sub for Birmingham after their thrashing last week. He was back on the bench. Alex Pritchard was a 66-minute sub for Brentford as they won 2-1 against Derby. Kenny McAvoy came off the bench on 75 minutes as Peterborough lost 2-1 at home to Scunthorpe. Shaq Coulthurst was an 84th-minute sub as Southend won 2-1 at Mansfield Town. Jordan Archer kept a clean sheet as Northampton Town won 2-0 against AFC Wimbledon. And Thomas Lavgamelt wasn't involved with Bari this week. Moving on to the youth teams, the under-18s won 3-2 at Fulham on Saturday morning with Anthony Georgiou, Ryan Loft and Armani Daly getting the goals. We went from 1-0 down to 3-1 up before conceding a late goal. Dylan Duncan made his debut coming off the bench and Marcus Edwards also came off the bench once again. After a superb 1-0 win against Chelsea last week, the under-21s lost 2-1 against Liverpool at St Helens on Friday. Will Miller scored our goal, but Hugo Ekiok was unhappy with the performance, saying, as good as the standard was against Chelsea, I thought we didn't do the basics right against Liverpool. There were under-21 debuts for 16-year-olds Tom Glover and Ishmael Azawi and 17-year-old Shayon Harrison. That's it for this week, but if you're interested in more young players, follow me on Twitter at WindyCoys. That's Coys for Come On You Spurs. Second half of the Fighting Cop podcast. Thank you very much, Windy. No worries. Once again, still recording them in your car? This one wasn't actually, but yeah, normally. Yeah, well, it's you just the safest get... option. Do you write stuff down or do you actually work yeah, out I'll what you're going to say? I make some notes and um, rattle through it, you know. Like to prepare. Yeah. It always comes across really well. Thanks. Yeah. People like it. I often say it's the best part of the podcast. People Which like is bollocks, obviously, <laughs> to be fair. It's uh, absolute nonsense. But, um, you know, thanks for doing it and that. <laughs> uh, OK, the Fighting Cock is sponsored by Calm. 12, de- 12 men a day commit suicide. It's thought that because we don't talk about our problems, if you're feeling sad or low, talk to someone. It doesn't have to be someone you know. Calm have a helpline open from 5pm until midnight. Numbers 0808 802 5858. They also have a web chat open from 5pm until midnight each day of the week. You can access that at thecalmzone.net. Thecalmzone.net. 
Uh, we've got Astaras and Stoke, our next two games. Um, obviously, Astaras is a bit of a... It's hard to know what's going to go on. White Hart Lane now, I thought they were absolutely terrible. Did you? I, I didn't think they were that bad. What, you think we just destroyed them? We destroyed them, but I I don't think they were 5-1 bad. I thought they were actually all right. Yeah, I don't know. Well, <laughs> you may, we, maybe we'll, right. we'll beat them away, but I didn't think they were 5-1 bad. I thought we were a little bit lucky to... We have, have to win, score. really, still, don't we? we yeah, no, we're... precariously placed. Yeah, exactly, and there's three matches to go. We're joint top with um, Besiktas. If we win this, we go four clear of Astaras, so it's important to win it, basically. We need to pick a strong team and make sure we get the job done. Um, it's going to be very interesting now, leading on from what we were saying earlier, whether Kane plays again or whether Adebayor plays, try and get him back into form, whether Lamella plays, Eriksen. I mean, those two are both... Lamella's been productive, but his form's been up and down in a kind of footballing sense. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not played... He's had seven, really seven, well, yeah. seven assists this season as well, which is a high return. Yeah, he's, I mean, and scored obviously a couple of goals as well, which helps. But and he he is productive, but he he's, it feels like he's still playing in second gear. And when he when he hits the heights, he's going to be a great player. But it's just getting him to those heights. Is, it, it's all it's always strange, isn't it? Because it's eighteen months since he's he was signed by Spurs, and he's, he still doesn't really understand the pace of the Premier League yeah. and loses the ball, as we've said many times before. His his ability to just to not perform in the key areas is is. Um, just paramount, really, in the way you judge him. I think um, it's I think it's hard to um, judge him on last season with his injuries. And, yeah, not last season, yeah. Uh, and stuff like that. I think this season will be his full kind of blooding of being in the Premier League and adjusting. And I think, you know, a, a lot of people say, and, you know, I notice it as well, that he dallies on the ball and it's a lot quicker, a lot stronger in the Premier League. But... You know, not comparing him to Ronaldo, but when Ronaldo first came with his step-overs and, yeah. and wanting to do too much and show that he has he has got that ability, we'll soon knock that out of him. It's just, or get knocked out of him. He is, he is, it's immaturity, isn't it? Yeah. And you can't expect him to be anything other than, than that kind of player, I guess. I think we'll know by March, April, if, he was, if he's going to cut it. Because if he hasn't learned by then that he can't dally on the ball, dilly-dally on the ball like he has been, then it maybe he'll never learn. I don't know. We'll see. Well, the thing that strikes me about him is he's quite predictable. I think he's probably quite easy to defend against because he knows he's going to pick up the ball, look to come inside from the right flank and either get across, get across in or get a shot away. And if he went on the outside and trusted his right foot a bit more, it would keep defenders guessing and, mm. and open up more space for him. And that's what I'd like to see Pochettino coach into him in the next couple of weeks, couple of months. Just you know, go go on the outside like Townsend does. Trust trust your right foot, even though it's not your strongest, and try and put a cross in that way and keep defenders guessing. Loris has been uh, was sent off. Yeah, uh, a straight red in Europa League. How much is that? Two games. Or Good is it question. Three? I think it might be three. Really? really? I, I always thought it was oh, two in Europe. <laughs> no, because no, that, that would be. It, it must only be one. One. I'm going for one. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know, do we? Because it was only, it's only like it's last a, man. It's, yeah. it's not a violent conduct. Yeah, you're right, Rob. I think you're right. I think it is. Uh, what the type of sending off is. Yeah, yeah. They've changed it recently, yeah. haven't they? Okay, so one. Well, it, does, it says here that, it'll, that, that there's no Loris essentially for Asteras. I mean, T wrote it, so I'm presuming he knows. Um, so you've got Vaughan coming in. I thought that. Or Kane not play? Yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> Kane in there. Uh, Vaughan uh, looks okay against Brighton. It was kind of. didn't really have much to do. But he did start the move for the um, for one of the goals with a quick throw out, which I liked. Yep. Uh, there was one time when he, he had to pass the ball left and then kicked it out for a corner. Yeah. <laughs> I saw, I noticed that. I thought, oh, Loris, how I missed it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you've got to give him a chance. Goalkeepers need game time. And this is a good opportunity in a competitive game 
Astaras are going to offer a little bit more going forward than I'd imagine they had that they did at, at White Hart Lane. So we'll see what he's about, I guess. And what we know, form? yeah, we know he's a good goalkeeper from Swansea. Uh, Swansea, he's quality keeper, absolute quality, especially at shot stopping as well. Mm. Yeah, and similar in terms of proactivity to Larice, like he's quick off the line and he's he's just quick generally, which I like. It's I might, such a different. I, I might be throwing this out there completely, but who who started? He's, he's Dutch, isn't he? So who who started for Holland in the World Cup? Because Krull came in. It yeah. wasn't it wasn't Vaughan though. Was I can't it? remember the guy's name now. Oh, it definitely weren't Vaughan then. I just in my head, I, I imagine him playing in the World Cup for some reason. He went to the World Cup, didn't he? Did he? He was late back. Yeah. No, oh, well, what did he He's third choice then. World Cup goalkeeper. <laughs> fine, we're coming fine. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. So we'll see see what happens there. We won't do predictions for that. Uh, but Stoke is going to be much more. Of a, of a test typically we've we've smashed them at home I remember five five goal drubbins I think beaten by five last season might be right or the season before four. but four four I think it was oh, it was four well we, we beat them convincingly it was uh, Boxing Day New Year's, New Year's Eve or something like that ah, okay it's around that time between yeah. Christmas and New Year so I mean uh, a team that we have beaten convincingly but then there's they're exactly the type of team that we've struggled with as well I mean the defensive Lee uh, Sound, I think they have the sixth best defence in the Premier League, but also the second worst attack in terms of goals scored. But that's the kind of team we've we've struggled against. They only one chance. They defend with their lives, and, and we've struggled to break them down. It's about scoring early, I guess. And Crouch seems to be coming back into a um, little bit of form for them. Um, oh, he lost it in the League Cup, didn't he? Completely. That's true. Center. Yeah, two two bad fouls. Moses is playing well. He's sort of playing from left wing. Got his first goal for them the weekend. Um, I know Hughes is sort of changing Stoke a little bit. They're a bit more of a footballing side now. But then I noticed the stat that they're still the number of aerial duels they've won. One is ridiculously high. Like it's more than double ours. Really. So there's obviously a lot of long ball football being played still. Um, but like you say, they're notoriously a difficult game for us in terms of the physicality. And once again, I would hope that Fazio would start because that would negate the threat of Crouch pretty much. I mean, Crouch is slow across the pitch, so is Fazio. Crouch is good in the air, so is Fazio. It just makes sense to play him. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, I just, I, I, what do you think about Bojan as well? Because he was supposed to come in giving yeah. them that extra kind of element I was listening I read a couple of reviews of the game against West Ham apparently it was their best game of the season that, that they played and they lost they, they drew two, two, two. They were two in the up weren't they uh, one of their players I think uh, I can't remember if it was Whelan or Shawcross that explained it mentioned that if you fire a ball into Bojan that he's, it's going to stick to him and he has that quality but they also said that if isn't he coated in Velcro or sticky tape or yeah. That's <laughs> but when he when he uh when the ball isn't going to him, he, their own players admitted that he's anonymous. And I don't even know if he'll start. I'd, I'd be surprised if he started at White Lane. But um, you kind of look at those kind of players and you think they're good enough. The kind of players that we would have signed, Bojan, so yeah. certainly about six, seven years ago, yeah. hoping that they that go on to be well. Low value punt that if it doesn't work out, it doesn't really matter. Exactly. Stick, yeah. Smacks of DeSantos. But um, you know, when they ha- they do have that technical. Uh, personnel in their squad that can, might make a difference it's still going to be Waters who runs his arse yeah. off and he did really well at the weekend actually to set up the goal against West Ham um, a workman like midfield as well Glenn Whelan Stephen and Zonzi Whelan's out though isn't he he's injured yeah, he broke his leg I think Charlie oh. Eden will he play oh god oh, yeah you forget about him didn't you favourite who's he going to injure this time I think he'll he'll pick Kerrickson 
this time. Or Mason. Anyone who does him. I don't, yeah. think, Ma- I don't think Mason will have it. I think it, out of the two, the, the, Mason's going to get well stuck into him because he understands the... And, and he's, he's obviously a player who understands uh, narratives in the game because he's going to get stuck into to, to Adam. Yeah, hopefully that scumbag doesn't... Indeed. He's been starting from Stoke. Um, in and out of the team, I think. And he's been playing sort of as a 10 quite a lot, which is just... I do find that concept bizarre that he's good enough to play as a playmaker in any team. I mean, mm. he used to be a reasonably good footballer, but he did just become a thug. A fat pig. Fat thug. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I, see, I see the touchline. Everyone's down in Lucasade and he's just eating sausage rolls. <laughs> I've seen him do it, man. Smashing sausage rolls. Smashing sausage rolls. <laughs> All right, so let's have some uh, predictions for, for, Hull, uh, for, for Stoke. I think... Six one Spurs. <laughs> Don't you believe? Yeah. <laughs> you believe it? I always believe. You always believe. What do you reckon then? Uh, I am going to go for a one nil. Oh fuck off! Six one, six one. Two one. Two one. I'll go for an optimistic two nil. It's not an optimistic. We've got to be smashing these teams. Although I felt the same against Newcastle. Yeah. Really? Exactly. Marty said there's absolutely no way we're going to lose against Newcastle. He didn't apologise last week either. <laughs> All right, uh, our next five games after Stoke would be Hull uh, away. Which Three points. They've been doing well, to be fair. Partizan at home, which is the 1882 Three game. Three points. Three points. Everton at home. Three, Three points. Fucking hell, we're doing all right. Chelsea away. Three points. Three, Three points. points. Three. Yeah. Three points. <laughs> Three points. And Besiktas away. It was a loss. <laughs> I lost that one, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll take those. I'll take that 100%. Oh, beating Chelsea away, how good would that be? That would be ama- amazing. Yeah. Amazing. But, um, Can't see it. Can't see it. Man. We'll, see, we'll see. You know, you never know. If we win, if we do beat Hull away, Partizan at home, Everton at home, which are all winnable games, I think we'd be going into Chelsea very optimistic, given the fact that we're going to beat Stoke, obviously, six-one, and, six, and Asteris away. So that would be, if by our reckoning, six wins, five wins on the bounce going into Chelsea. <laughs> I, uh, I can't see anything else. <laughs> else yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, all right. Um, the, we, we, there was quite a lot of talk about Sherwood's analysis um, and the things he was talking about in, in terms of adopting youth players into the team. And essentially what he tried to do, uh, the first thing he did was bring Bentelevin into midfield. And, and a lot of the time, uh, when that happened, there was a lot of uh, laughing and joking about what Sherwood was about. And obviously he came as a development coach. Uh, and we didn't really know what his agenda was and he obviously spoke too much and that was Sherwood's problem but I think most people at the time said that if he had if he if he had just shut up he would probably still be in charge of Tottenham now and you saw the implementation of Mason and Kane and maybe there there is something in this developing a philosophy at the club where players are, are brought into the team and I talked about it a bit last week but AVB tried to bring in Kane to give it some credence Mm. Um, so, what do you think about this idea of, about investing in youth players? I mean, I'm sure you're, you're going to love this, Wendy. But in, investing in youth players, and, and Spooky last week talks about the excitement there is in the academy of, of the opportunities that are going to get when you look at Kane, Rose. I know Rose we bought, but Townsend, Mason, to have four players that are, that are in our potentially in, in recognition re, in reckoning for, for starting a Premier League games. It's, 
I don't think there's probably any other club in in England that are doing that currently. There may be, but certainly not in the top eight, where you have. I mean, Man United are doing it, but they've been forced to do it in defence with Blackett. And you say top eight, it was lucky we won yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm wearing a top eight club at the moment, that's all I can share about. But you think about it, like, you, and those players, Rose, Mason, Kane uh, and Townsend in the, in the celebration, those are the ones that gave a fuck. Rose was screaming at, uh, at Vertonghen when that goal went in. Uh, admittedly, it was Rose's fault, but Vertonghen had a parole to play by backing off. But those four players, they're, they're, showing the, they're showing the desire and passion that you want. I don't know. What do you think, Wendy? Well, I think we, we've come unstuck a bit with our transfer policy over the last few windows. And, I mean, in hindsight now, at the time, I was so excited about the players we'd signed with the bail money. And I thought, this is, this is going to be great. How can it go wrong? And in hindsight, it was a massive mistake just spending all the money on players that didn't necessarily fit the system, that we didn't necessarily need, and that were kind of the best names we could get without Champions League football. Mm. And that's no disrespect to Lamella and, and Soldado, because I think they are good players. I just don't necessarily think they were right for Spurs, certainly not at the time. They might become right, but at the time I don't think they were. And maybe in hindsight we should have just sat on the money for a while and promoted from within and had had the, the guts to do that. It's so hard to do that, though. I mean, it, it takes a brave manager to, to take players out of the youth system and throw them into the first team. It's incredibly hard because, I mean, like, you've got... On one side, you will have people that are saying, you know, we've just sold bail for £86 million and yet Levy's going to pocket the money, um, as he always does, and sleeps on... Fifty pound notes, <laughs> Scrooge McDuck's fifty pound coins. Exactly, and then um, you know, and uh, he's blooding the youth because he wants to keep the money. And it, you know, when you've got youth players coming through, it's you know, like Kane at the moment. He's in a real hot. He's in real hot form. But then, if you start playing him, and he goes four or five games without without a goal, his confidence is going to just drop and. It can, you know, it's, well, it's Townsend, isn't it? Yeah, We've exactly. seen exactly the same thing happen with him. The it, fans get on his back. It's so hard to to get that balance, and you would never ever be able to um, have sold Bale for eighty six and then said, actually, we're gonna we're gonna run our, rely on our youth because I think we've we've got what it takes to keep, take us to the top four in our youth. That would never have happened with Bale. Though that was a, a rare situation. I don't think this happened before then, and. It happened again the following season for Liverpool when they, they sold Suarez. But there's to sell a player for eighty six million is, is such a rare thing. But the thing is, you you've got to go back to what I was saying earlier. Enic is effectively an investment company, so I looked upon the the guys we bought with the money from Bale. I jokingly said they're, they're you know they're, they're these magic beans that Levy buys and he plants one and if one turns into a beanstalk, but you could say Bale's a, a freak, but Berbatov money. Wasn't bad. Mm. The Modric money wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. The, the Van der Vaart money was okay for what it was. So actually, the, 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 there's a point where we look at them as footballers and we look upon them these these idols, these fantastic people that are going to do the stuff that's going to make us happy. Levy looks upon it with a different eye. Mm. I'll tell you, you know, he does. He doesn't look upon it like that. He looks upon it as this guy. If I buy this guy Chadley or this guy Lamella or this guy Ericsson, these guys, and one of these guys, I've only got to buy one. It, the analogy I give it, 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 with, with why we spent the money was if you watch The Apprentice and they always do that thing where they, they have to set up a market stall, the, 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 the team in The Apprentice, and they, if they sell out, 
Sugar always says, well, you the big mistake you made, you didn't go back to the cash and carry, buy more shit to yeah. sell. Yeah, yeah. You kept the profit. And I think Levy, that's his mindset. I've made that money. What would Mr Sugar say? I oh, know, let's go back and restock. We'll buy some more. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, well, that, that would be it. I mean, I, th I think... <clears throat> But something that kind of is a bit contradictory to that is that the fact that the thirty million pound spending fourteen million pound on Luka Modric coming from Croatia, who we knew was by reputation. But that was fourteen was million five years ago, six years ago. What you what? Yeah, but that's not thirty million. But you wouldn't get anything like Modric coming from. No. Uh, you know, uh, um, so no, I just I think inflation has caught up with football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it could be that Lamella set the world alight, and we did sell him for ninety million. You know, if it, eighteen months from now. Let's hope. Yeah, I didn't Jesus, think he... if he does, and we get ninety million for Lamella, we'll look back at this now and go, "What idiots we were!" <laughs> the, the key for me is, I think it has to be about the right blend of of players, and not let's not make that mistake again of signing seven players. Let's say, well, hang on, let's find three players. Nine. Really oh, want. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's not sign Kirikesh. Let's promote Connor Ogilvy from the under twenty ones. Let's not sign Chadley. Let's promote ex player from the under eighteens. It's those kind of cheap punts that are the investment players that Rob's talking about that I'd rather us not sign. I'd rather us sign three players that the manager identified as first-team players that he really wants and then promote the best players from the youth system alongside them. And the promising thing is we have got some really good youth players coming through. And I heard that um, had we not lost against Newcastle, I'm reliably informed that um, Josh Onomar and Connor Ogilvy would have been in the squad for the Brighton game, which would have been their first taste of... Well, I think Onomar's been on the bench once. Ogilvy has travelled once. I'm not sure if he made the bench, but it would have been nice to have seen them get on the pitch and make their debuts. And we've got a few who are kind of knocking on the door now who are quite close to um, making debuts at some level. On a slightly different, but it's a connected point. Did anyone see the, the shot of Baldini celebrating? Yes. Uh, he looked like a man whose a job was going to be just about to go, wasn't it? It's a weird one, that. You should see fuck him. off. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like him, though? Nah. Fuck him. Fuck him. I say, in terms of getting transfers done, he's your man. It's just who chooses the transfer target, yeah. surely. Um, I suppose when you've got 86 million in your skyrocket, <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> fucking matter, does it? How much you want a week? <laughs> yeah, right. We'll put 20 grand on that. Time is um, uh, Paddy G. Spurs said, uh, uh, he sent me a question from the forum. He says, I'd rather have a team full of Canes, Masons, Roses, and Carls of Eva Persuasion. And Townsend and a lot of the mid-ranking overseas dross that we currently seem to have. A bit harsh on the overseas dross. But uh, I get where he's coming from, and we talked a bit about it before. But, uh, Wendy, who, who, you mentioned Ogilvy and... Um, Josh Onomar. Josh Onomar. Are, are they... I mean, of the current crop, crop of young players, who's more likely or most likely to, to be the Mason or Kane in a year's time? Well, they're probably the closest to the first team based on their sort of physical build. Um, is it Onomar a big build? I, see, uh, I always thought he's a bit leggy and, and he's get he's filling out now. He's I think he's seventeen and he's he's sort of he's stronger. He's got than that he was. Charlie Adams diet, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's done the sausage rolls. For those that don't know, i.e. me, what kind of player is Onomar? He's a driving midfield player. He reminds me of Paul Pogba. He's a a real driving force in the heart of midfield. He starts deep and will just run through. Basically, he's slaloming runs through the middle of midfield. Why does it remind you of Paul Pogba? <laughs> just the style of play, like yeah. the, the dribbling, the balance, um, capability of passing, but also running with the ball. Okay. Um, he's, he's very, very promising. We've got Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's the centre-back everyone's been talking about because he's 16 he's already playing in the US under-23 squad, which is 
that's almost unheard of to be playing seven years in front of you. Yeah, above your age group, um, and he is he's a very promising player. But being so young, it's we don't really want to rush him too much. And I think there'll be a point where he'll get a taste of football, but it'll probably, it's probably a couple of years off. When's he going to start being sent out on loan? And if he's if well, he's sixteen, he, I was wondering too maybe early next for that. year. Next year, maybe at seventeen, a league loan. Yeah, because Colker went out seventeen to Yeovil, so it would make sense to send. Carter did he play? Yeah, and he did quite well there actually. Where's that geezer that uh, we used to chant bail at? Kenny McAvoy. Yeah, where's he? <laughs> he's at Peterborough. I mean, he, he's a he's a decent player, but he's not going to be a Spurs player. Same. To be fair, you said we were waxing lyrical about Pritchard, and you said he weren't going to make it at Spurs. Yeah, he got dropped for Brentford this week. Unfortunately, he's on the bench, but he's he's done well for them. But I think personally, I've always thought that Pritchard is a little bit below Premier League level. He's probably a Championship player, but he'll, he'll be a good good Championship player or good lower half Premier League player. I think. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Gilvey as well. You yeah, I'd really rate him. I mean, really versatile defender, can play left back or centre back, good in the ball, reads the game well, nice, like decent physical build for a defender. I mean, that's the problem with Carter Vickers, he's quite short. He's very, very stocky, but he's if quite you put short. Carter Vickers next to <laughs> Fazio, where would he reach? <laughs> Nipple? <maybe. laughs> he's that small. But Fazio is Andre the Giant. On a diet. Yeah, has he no. has he got a good leap on him? Then he's got yeah, yeah, yeah. The ball. and he's a good marker as well, which is always a good sign. Like marked um, Chelsea have got a striker called Dominic Solanke, who was made the first team bench for them um, recently, and Carter Vickers marked him up the game pretty much in the under twenty one match. He was really really impressive. So the signs are good. So we've got three three players essentially. Yeah, and then below that we've got some some of the most highly rated players in the country. I mean, I've been speaking quite a lot about Marcus Edwards in my youth updates. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually, I do know that name. He's the one that Sherwood mentioned in his column recently and got everyone excited because oh, he, that's who I heard he basically from. <laughs> not from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean Sherwood. So what really kind of player is he? Um, I've not seen him play other than on YouTube. How old is he? Fifteen. So he's not, he's played three games off the bench with under eighteens. Uh, he's a central midfielder who can play wide as well, but mostly wants to play through the middle. And he, he's just ridiculously talented for his age. But of course, at that age, you don't know how they're going to progress. So many things can go wrong. So you think of how you, you know when you think of footballers, you think 15, 18, you think grown man could handle himself in any situation. But actually, if you look at an eighteen-year-old and speak to them, you realise how immature they yeah. are. Fifteen is ridiculous. Mm. I mean, that's like a schoolboy. Literally, is a schoolboy. Yeah. He's fifteen years old. Not so. GCSEs yet. Yes, Danny Jesus. He doesn't need to, though, does he? When I was 15, I got a hoop in my ear and I thought I was a grown man. <laughs> exactly. I thought I was a fucking don. I didn't even kiss the girl at 15. <laughs> That's how immature I was. Kiss loads afterwards, obviously. I still do, every day. I just walk up to women in the street. They walk up to you. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, shit, I should have said that, Wendy. should have said that. Um, anything else to say about the youth setup? I think that's pretty. that's covered it off pretty well. The other one got no that, strikers in there, though. <laughs> we do struggle for strikers. Since Kane's got promoted, I mean, this is a, actually a problem for the under-21s because Akindayani's the, the sort of best striker we've got, and he's he's a hard worker, but he's not going to make it. So we ended up playing Ceballos as a false nine against Chelsea under-21s, and it didn't really work out. He does he just doesn't look right to play up front. What so. about him? Because you haven't mentioned him, and he's the one we signed from Barcelona. They were, he was released, and we yeah. picked him up, and he scored that great goal against... What did he score against? He scored a, a great finish from range. In pre-season, was it? No, no, it was, in, it was for the under-21s. Uh, he scored a brilliant goal. He scored was, against Chelsea two weeks ago. Yeah, that was it. He scored from range. 
Yeah, uh, no, he's not against Chelsea, sorry, it's against Norwich. Stop Norwich. the rain, the word range. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, uh, yeah, he's but... not from range. <laughs> he's got... You know, Rangy, Ranger McRangerson. Oh, yeah, Ranger. <laughs> <Christian> Rangerson. <laughs> no, he, he scored... He did, yeah, he scored a really good goal against Norwich, but that was basically the only good thing he did in that game. OK. Oh, yeah, it was, yeah. I know the goal you're talking about. Oh, where was it scored from? Uh, from Range, bro. <laughs> What's his name? Sabalos. Ah, oh, that's it, that's it. <laughs> What's his name? Christian Sabayos. Sabayos. Uh, Sabayos. That's the name of the podcast, Sabayos from Range. <laughs> Range okay. The Range Rover. <laughs> Range Rover. Okay, that's it from uh, the Fighting Gut podcast. We did have a horrible question from Ben Foreman off Facebook, but it was so bad and so horrible that none of us wanted to consider it uh, and therefore just refusing to answer. What's a foreskin? <laughs> that's a pertinent point uh, thank you Rob for coming down pleasure uh, Ricky once again sorry uh, Wendy cheers thank you. and I've been Flav and this has been the Fighting Cop Podcast <laughs>